Welcome to the We Are Next podcast, advice and insight from all over the advertising industry to help you navigate your career with confidence. I'm Natalie Kim. And I am Miriam Gessus, and I'm a creative director and creative entrepreneur. And thanks for listening. everybody, it's Natalie and welcome to episode 7. If my voice sounds a little off, it's because I woke up this morning feeling very under the weather and there's something especially awful about being sick in the summer. Ugh, but anyways, going to push through. I'm going to be giving a talk on finding the right fit as part of a career insights series hosted by UCLA. And it's done on YouTube Live, so it's totally open to everyone, not just UCLA students or alumni, and it's free. It's tomorrow, um, Wednesday, September 6th at 5 p.m. Pacific, and I'd love if some We Are Next listeners tuned in. I'm going to be talking about not only getting into advertising and marketing, but specifically the types of questions that we should be asking ourselves when thinking about what's going to be the right place to start our careers. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys will join. You can find the link to access the live stream in the show notes. Our guest for episode seven, Mariam Gesus, is a creative director and creative entrepreneur. And what I loved about her conversation was that she manages to tell it like it is and talk about some of the truly like lowest points of her career while still being encouraging. She has tons of advice to share. So let's get to it. Enjoy. Awesome. Well, Miriam, I this was a long time coming, our conversation, because we had connected probably, I don't know, a month ago, maybe even more than a month ago. And there was like a lot of things going on in your life. And there's a lot of things going in my life. And um, I, I know you just got back from vacation and some time off. So I'm really excited to finally connect. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. I always like to start with hearing a little bit about how you got started in advertising in the industry. Can you talk a little bit about your journey from being a student to getting your first full-time job and sort of where you are today? Sure. Uh, so to make a long story short, uh, so I'm originally from Morocco and um, I, uh, my, all my family is in finance. And one day I was 15 and I saw this movie. It had nothing to do with advertising, but I saw a creative director presenting work and it all clicked in my head that that was a job that people can do. And I was like, wow, I can speak to the masses. I can bring people together. So um, I decided that that was what I wanted to do. And uh, when I graduated high school, I moved to Houston, Texas, uh, from Marrakesh, Morocco, mm -hmm. where um, my sister was in Houston at the time, which is why my parents chose me to go there. Um, and I got there and I quickly realized that I had to uh, work really, really hard, not only because I was an international, uh, but I was also a woman and uh, everything was new to me. So I got really, really involved in AAF, um, became president of my um, student, uh, AAF student group, student association, and did NSAC, the National Student Advertising Competition. Uh, we ended up winning our regional uh, and went to national. So that was an incredible experience. And um, while in Houston, I did three different internships. Um, I was very, very hungry. I was determined to um, to uh, succeed, if you will. I knew that I, there were a lot of odds against me. So I was uh, put in a lot of work early on uh, before I even graduated because my intention was to move to New York. And I knew that that was going to be hard. So um, I graduated and uh about four months later, I packed my bags and came to New York for two weeks and was determined to get a job. 
And I didn't get a job offer until the day before I was leaving back to Houston. So uh, I landed a job as a junior art director. Um, I was very persistent, <laughs> almost harassing. And I finally landed the job. And uh, I told them, I'll be here in two weeks. And uh, the rest is history. I started at this uh, small agency that no longer exists. But at that time, I got to uh, be there from the beginning until it grew um, a lot. So I was there for five years. And I uh, got to build my portfolio and learn a lot of skills. Uh, so starting small for me was definitely the right move. There's so many, I was like wanting to jump in at so many <laughs> different points because we have so many parallels, I think, in our career paths. And we didn't even talk that. I did, had no idea you did an SAC. Um, which campaign did. did you do that you I was in State Farm. Oh, awesome, awesome. So It was State Farm, yeah. I did an SAC as well back in 2006, 2008 while I was at UCLA. We never went to nationals, but I mean, it was such an amazing experience. So anyways, I had to jump in and rep NSAC for a second. <laughs> yes, um, I love it. That was a really good experience. Yeah. The other thing too, I wanted to stop for a second and talk about, you know, your trip to New York. And um, I get a lot of questions from students who, who want to go to New York or, you know, any big city. When they're not there, I think it's very difficult for recruiters and HR people to take junior talent, especially or entry level talent seriously, if they're not Absolutely. there to come in and, you know, meet with them. And so I always tell people, if you can go just for a week or two weeks and kind of pack your schedule with as many meetings as possible, or at least be able to say, I'm going to be in New York at this time, yep. would love to come in, whatever, then that's exactly what I did. Yeah. Like, so I think that was a great example. And living proof. Yes. And, and, you know, it doesn't, when people think of New York or LA, they think they have to, they have to have all this money and they have to spend a lot of money in hotels, but that's not true. I stayed at a hostel with six other people. I didn't care. <laughs> and I contacted everybody about a month before and scheduled as many meetings as possible. And by creating urgency, if you just tell people, Hey, can I meet with you? Let me know when you're available. They're not going to respond. Mm -hmm. But if you say, Hey, I'm going to be in New York, and from November 1st to November 15th, I need to meet you within these days. Now you give them uh, a choice, you know, and they're more likely to tell you, fine, we'll meet on the 10th and right. be persistent. It's okay to follow up a lot. Um, and if they don't answer, they don't, but at least you followed up. You did your due diligence. Right. You did everything you could possibly do. Exactly. You can feel good about that. Exactly. So you mentioned in your um, LinkedIn profile, I always feel so stalkery when I ask these like follow up <laughs> questions because it's like, yes, I looked through your resume and your portfolio site and everything like that. Um, but you mentioned some classes that you've taken along the way throughout your career to sort of build, help build your portfolio along with everything else that you did. And yep. I wanted to ask a little bit about your decision to take those classes to kind of advance your skills and also for people who might not have access to kind of those extracurricular things or classes at GA or anything outside of that, what would you tell them to kind of substitute build their portfolio? Sure. So um, I went to a university and um, I studied, you know, media strategy, everything, including creativity, but it wasn't a portfolio school. Okay. So um, I, in my junior year, I realized I wanted to be a creative. I didn't have a portfolio. I had no idea where to start. And a funny story, what we did was through our um, AAF a group, we had a speaker come to us and he was a copywriter um, at an agency in Houston. 
And we literally, about five of us, begged him to teach us, to halt, to make a class for us. And we'll, we were like, we'll pay you, just teach us how to concept and to execute. So um, he started doing it in his uncle's restaurant basement. And now that that class turned into a school. It's now oh called gosh. the Houston School of Advertising. The opportunity is there. You have to find the people who are going to help you. You have to uh, create that that opportunity. Um, you can also take classes outside of school. Um, there's a, for example, in New York, there's plenty of uh, classes that you can take. Uh, just continue education classes. You can also um, teach yourself how to how to do it. You know, there if you have time and the resilience. You can sit there and just watch lynda.com videos and just teach yourself. But um, know that there are people out there that are ready to help you and you just have to find them and ask for what you need and what you want. So that's kind of how I got my portfolio together. And when I graduated, I realized that my portfolio was still not good enough for New York. So um, I literally sat in my house for three months straight and built the whole thing from the ground up before I moved to New York. Wow. So um, it's not impossible. I did not go to portfolio school. Uh, you can, you know, pretty much fake it till you make it and ask for help. Ask for help. There's plenty of people out there ready to help you. You're not alone. And uh, you just have to find them and, and be clear with them, uh, whether um, you can offer them some money or not. A lot of people will help you for free. Mm -hmm. But um, you can't, uh, what you can't do is just sit there and feel sorry for yourself that you didn't go to portfolio school or that you didn't have the money to go to portfolio school because portfolio school is not necessary. It's only if you have the means, but it's absolutely not necessary. Mm -hmm. I think those are really good tips and tactics. And I really, I love the idea too of people because there's so much work that's just out there, right? Whether it's on awards mm -hmm. show sites or just like on YouTube commercials and even just the practice of analyzing a finished Absolutely. piece of work and kind of like reverse engineering, okay, what was the business problem they're really trying to solve? Maybe I can write, like imagine what the client brief could be and you know how would I have gone about it, et cetera. Exactly. A good, a good strategy is maybe to see something that you didn't like and redo it in mm -hmm. a way that you like, you know, so there's plenty of bad advertising out there, bad campaigns that you can redo. Um, another thing you can do is help small businesses um, and entrepreneurs, you know, design their logo, build their social media. They don't know. And you have some some skills. So it's kind of a win win. And what I tell juniors is that you should always be working on a personal project all the time you should always have a personal project on the side whether it's an advertising project or just an art project or a writing project but you should always have something that will keep you going and keep the momentum going you should never just sit there and not create because the right. second you stop creating then you're no longer a creative so i wanted to talk a little bit about being an art director because it involves so many things these days so i wanted to ask what your favorite thing is about being an art director Personally, I'm a problem solver at heart, and art direction is just one manifestation of that. So um, I really enjoy uh, looking at clients' um, issues from every angle possible and finding the best solution based on my experience and the way I see the world. Uh, I love infusing myself into the work um, because that's what makes you a unique creative. It's not just about solving problems exactly how you saw the award solving problems. It's about how you can bring your unique life perspective, life experience, and bring a new angle to it and present it in a new way. That's how, that's how you can make campaigns 
um, resonate with so many different people or different audiences is by bringing yourself into them. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're always you're always trying to sell the product or solve the problem first, but it, you should never forget about bringing your own perspective into it. Mm-hmm. So I love that. I love that about being an art director. I get to choose the colors I want and I get to <laughs> uh, bring my myself into the work, even if it's just a little bit, uh, it's still uh, gratifying. How about the most challenging thing about being an art director on the flip side? Um, the most challenging thing about being an art director really is that in the beginning, you don't have the skills necessary to do your job. You just don't because art direction design is a practice. And unless the more you do it, the more you get better at it. So what typically happens is that you have uh, the vision is there. You know where you want to get, but you just literally don't have the skills necessary. And it's it can be very, very frustrating in the first, I would say, first three to five years, uh, depending how much work you do. So um, so I would recommend any junior to know that, that right now they may suck, but it's okay to suck right now. Just put your work out there. This is the period of sucking and the period of learning. And uh, just don't ever... Um, think that, oh, this doesn't look as much as good as I want it to look, therefore I'm not going to share it. That's wrong. You should share it, get it out of the way. There's actually a a very good video I want to recommend. It's called, uh, it's by Ira Glass. It's called Ira Glass on the creative process. So that one is a must watch. It explains how the creative process works for everyone, not just advertising people and how the more um, you create, the more you get those bad ideas out of your head, the more you get to your full potential. So um, trust that you will get there. Trust that you will get better. And that challenging part of not, not having the right skills will come as long as you keep practicing. Our direction is a practice. Uh, you have to keep doing it over and over and over again until until you become amazing at it. You know, And that just takes time. How do you suggest that uh, students or people just starting out um, avoid, let's call it the comparison trap where, you know, you are starting to develop those skills, but, you know, you see your, your peers and the people you graduated with around you, you know, getting certain jobs or putting out certain work. How do you get past, uh, you know, those feelings of being inadequate or, you know, feeling like you suck, but then seeing everyone around you and, and feeling like, wow, everyone's doing amazing things. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it's it's tough because uh, we're in an in industry where we always compare our work against uh, other people, especially within the agency itself. But know that those people are going through the exact same thing. I guarantee you they're thinking, oh, my God, I suck. And that person is great. So uh, maybe talk about it to those people and ask them, you know, instead of instead of uh, feeling like intimidated by them, maybe approach them and say, hey, how did you do that? Learn from them, you know, try to try to gain some wisdom from them and, and share your own wisdom because everybody has something to share. So don't be afraid to look up to them and be inspired by them instead of shutting yourself down and saying, oh my God, I will never get there. Right. Well, you won't if you don't try, right. but if you, if, you, um, if you try and approach them, um, and maybe get inspired by their work and setting that as your, um, your benchmark, then you might actually get there. And, um, there's, there's also a good book called steal like an artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you heard of it. It's, yeah. it's pretty awesome. It's all about like, if you, if you like, uh, what somebody's doing, you can borrow from it. Don't plagiarize. Don't steal the work. Don't steal the creative idea. But um, use that uh, methodology that they use in your own work. Uh, as a junior, 
you, you don't have to be fully original. You can take things from here and here and here and put it together and make it yours until you develop your own voice. Your goal is to develop your own voice. But for now, it's okay to be inspired by people. Uh, just don't be intimidated by them. Know that your time will come and you just need time. You just need to practice. I love that that's a positive spin on like the same situation, you know, kind of go both ways. Like you could choose to react um, in a way, like you said, that shuts, you know, you shut yourself down and become really discouraged around your own work. Um, but I think, you know, as you said, taking the road of what, seeing what inspiration can be drawn from it, what can be learned from it. And I always mm -hmm. tell people too, like a lot of people, I mean, if we're talking about your peers, especially are so much more accessible than you think. Um, Absolutely. You know, if you don't know them and you see their work online or on an award site, if you reach out, I, I feel like most of the time people are willing to to talk with you about it, especially at, the, at that level. <laughs> yes. I mean, uh, everyone that I've ever reached out to was more than willing to, to talk to me and to uh, guide me or to give me advice. Uh, people are generally really, really nice, especially creative people. They really want to share their wisdom and they want to help others. So. Um, it all comes down to whether you approach them or you you conquer your fear yeah. of rejection or whatever it is that you're thinking and to um, really go at it with a positive attitude and an attitude of I'm here to learn and to grow and I will do whatever it takes to get to that level. Send in somebody that you don't know an email, make sure it's precise, make sure it's no longer, not much longer than maybe four sentences, yeah. who you are, what you want, how you want to proceed and that you will follow up. Mm -hmm. Let them know that you will follow up and keep it short and quick. And when you follow up next time, make sure you add value. Hey, I saw this article and I thought you would enjoy it. Oh, congratulations on winning that award or whatever. Mm -hmm. Show them that you're actually interested in them as well and not just asking for stuff for you. Like, help me, help me. Right. How can you help them? You know, there's mentorship. It goes both ways. It's not just um, the, the CD mentor and the junior, the junior can mentor the CD as well, can provide value. So come in, come in it as in like you're, you have something to offer and I guarantee they'll want to meet you. They'll be like, this person is smart. Like they have, they taught me something. They sent me an article that I needed at the same time that I needed it or whatever. Uh, I want to meet them. So make sure you add value. Um, it really is the key to, um, like you mentioned before, like following up and being persistent, but not coming off as just annoying, like poking someone over and over again. Right. You no, know, you're like coming with something. And um, I, I did an interview a, a while ago with um, someone I used to work with who was in new business. So he's like head of new business at the agency we used to work at. And, you know, it's the same thing, same method they use with clients because it takes or potential clients because, it you know, they're the time it takes for them to sort of court a client and, and get them to even agree to have a meeting is so long often. And the only way you can keep reaching out in a credible way that's not annoying is if you're, you know, coming back with um, showing, you know, what value the agency might bring, whether it's commenting on work they did or, or whatever. Exactly. And, like thinking about that as like, yeah, you're, these potential employers are, they're not your clients, but they're people that you're, you're going to be serving or you, you know, your services are going to be provided to them. And so, mm -hmm. I don't know, I think it's just an interesting way to think about it, an interesting parallel. 
Of course, you always add value, even if it's a joke or make them smile, anything, always give them a little something to remember you by. Every every email is one more layer to yourself, you right. know, leave a little thing behind. Don't give it all in one email by sending a giant email. Right. Every, every email should be one little layer. Well, you know, this is who you're missing. I'm pretty awesome. Look at my work. Look right. at this article. So that way you don't come off too strong. Mm-hmm. I'd like to talk next about the low points. And I think it's a topic that we don't talk about enough in the industry. Um, and I'm talking specifically about the times when, you know, stress or a frustrating situation or, you know, you mentioned burnout before can really get the best of you. So can you think of a time specifically that um, you questioned whether advertising was really the right path or the right career for you? And how did you pull yourself out of it? Um, yes. <laughs> so the low points are many. I'm not going to lie. There are uh, a lot of low points in advertising. And um, I was not prepared going in because when I wanted to go in advertising, I had a vision. I wanted to, um, you know, help bring people together. I wanted to, um, you know, talk to the masses. I wanted to create beautiful work and all these things. But I didn't realize all the hurdles that come with the job. And uh, some some examples of those hurdles are uh, maybe egotistical bosses, uh, it's just a reality. Not everyone is, but they do exist. Uh, the lack of diversity is a huge, huge one for me. It was uh, startling. Um, the uh, microaggressions, the sexism and the racism you hear every day, those things add up, That things that never really crossed my mind. Um, and uh, the overwork and the underpay of a junior. Uh, that doesn't last long, thankfully. You know, uh, somebody had told me that um, for the first half of your career in advertising, you're underpaid, and the other half, you're overpaid. So look forward to the overpaid part. But at the beginning, it, it's it's really difficult because the industry takes and takes and takes and takes from you, but doesn't give much back, especially to juniors. Everybody's so busy doing work, but there, there's not a lot of people nurturing the new generation and really coaching them. Um, and that can lead to burnout. It can lead to lack of motivation, and in my case, it can even lead to depression. And those are real consequences of, um, you know, trying to swim this sea on your own and trying to work so hard to prove yourself when actually it's not you, the problem is the system itself. So um, that's kind of what happened to me. I had uh, had all kinds of ups and downs in my career, but uh, I did hit... Uh, a low point, a very low point uh, in 2012 uh, when I went to the Cannes Lions Festival, which, you know, is something that's been sold to the creatives as the epitome of creativity. It's every creative should should have a goal to uh, end up there at some point of their career. So I was very excited to go. I was accepted into the Cannes Lions Academy, the Storytelling Academy, uh, one of, um, I want to say, 15 or 20 people. Uh, so it was very exciting, and I had to save my own money uh, to to go. My agency at the time didn't want to pay for it, so that was another low. Um, and uh, but I was like, I don't care. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go, uh, and I did. Uh, and when I went there, it was very confusing for me to see um, what the industry is. You know, I got to see like the in, the industry from the inside, and I was not pleased because the industry just like here in America, society in America is very much male, is very much white, is very much privileged. Um, and the um, for me, the lack of diversity and the lack of um, female representation uh, was 
insane. Um, it was, it was, I did not see that coming. I knew there was lack of diversity, but being in Cannes, I realized that there is no way for me to go up this ladder. It was, it was almost impossible. I had to fight so many hurdles and I'm not sure I care this much, you know, <laughs> to, to fight these hurdles. It's not that I don't love the industry. I love advertising, but do I want to play in this very, very small box um, that they're, they're telling us this is how you do it. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, you go through many different, different phases in advertising and some people decide to, to stay and fight the good fight. And I did a lot of that, um, uh, by trying, when I came back from, from Cannes, I decided to take action and I created organizations like the Madison Collective, uh, where we brought so many different discussions around diversity and millennials and uh, um, feminism uh, into the conversation. And we made a lot of progress and got to go to many conferences and, and share our work. Um, but all that work I was doing was almost like another life. It was a side job. I was working full time, but I was also doing all these things full time. So I fought, fought, fought. And then I realized that the best way for me to, to do the things that I wanted to do is to um, quit, uh, leave the agency world and start my own. So that's, I'm very new to this. This is very new. Um, it just happened about a couple of months ago where I quit my six figure job. So I finally got to my second half of overpaid and <laughs> I didn't stay long because, because um, my fire was burning too much and I needed to do something about it. I couldn't stay within the system. Um, so, so now, you know, after eight years of, uh, the, of being in the industry, I'm, I'm grateful for all that I've learned and I had to unlearn. Uh, I think unlearning is uh, very important. Uh, I did a lot more unlearning than learning, but uh, if you know what you don't want to do, it's almost as valuable as knowing what you actually want to do. So um, I've never felt more excited to begin my agency. And um, I realized that the agency life is really not for everyone. There's nothing wrong with it, but it really isn't for everyone. And uh, that's something I kept fighting. And I told, I'm the, I'm the one who's wrong. You know, there's something wrong with me for not fitting. And absolutely not. Advertising and, and marketing, there's so much more than just agency life. There is tech. There is a, a startups. There is... Um, uh, you know, small businesses there, you can create your own agency. You can work with influencers. There's so many aspects of it. And that's something that we're not taught in school. We only thought to go to an advertising agency, but there's so much more than that. I fought the good fight, but now I, I will continue to fight the good fight outside of the agency world. It's definitely an awareness, right? Like what you're talking mm -hmm. about an awareness, a self-awareness, I guess, into, you know, is what I'm doing and where I'm at feeding me you know, and I, there's a, it's a really common question too, I get from people about, is it, are these feelings that I have about the agency that I'm at, and it's maybe just not the right place? Or is it kind of disillusionment with advertising overall as an industry? And I, it's very, I mean, I, I always send people like a little checklist of like things about the agency. Like if you say yes to all these things and you still feel like that, then maybe it's advertising overall. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, I think just being really conscious and like you said, not beating yourself up if it doesn't feel like it's the place anymore um, for right. you. Um, because, you know, you, you get what you get out of it while you're there. And then when <laughs> you're ready to leave, you know, it's, it's on to whatever else will help you grow and, and really make you feel fulfilled because 
if you don't, then if you're not learning, you don't feel fulfilled. Like, you know, we only have one life and we spend so much of it at work. Sort of exactly. like, what's the point, you know, of, of doing Exactly. That? And, and as long as you are able to create from an authentic place at, at an agency, um, you're good. But the second you feel like you need to censor yourself is when you need to start looking at other agencies. It doesn't mean you have to leave the industry. It means maybe you need to just switch teams, you know, sometimes. Uh, maybe you need to uh, move to another agency. Uh, maybe you need to speak to your manager and tell them about what you, how you like to work or whatever. But the most important thing to do is to take action and not just sit there and wait for things to get better because they will not. Uh, and I had to learn that the hard way. Uh, but um, I live to tell the, th the tale. So... Uh, Always take action. If if you're not fully comfortable and happy where you are, uh, make a move. Talk to somebody. Um, uh, dig deeper or connect connect with other people in other agencies and ask them about their agency. It might be something that is happening across the board and it might be only at your agency. But um, make an informed decision and make it fast. Don't sit there until it's too late and you have to do so much damage control to even you know find yourself again as a creative you have to practice radical self-care because our brains is all we have uh, and uh, you need to nurture it always how about one thing that you think every like junior creative just starting out should know i think the best advice um i tell people and i've actually be uh, been given is to be yourself uh, you come in the industry and you're trying to look like certain people. It's like, this is how creative people look. This is how you're supposed to behave. This is how it's, it's like, no, you, you can't do that. You know, you're as a creative, as a creative person, um, finding your point of view and your voice is crucial to your success and to your well-being. Mm -hmm. So you have to stay true to yourself. And if there's something that is not resonating, you have to bring it uh, to surface. You have to talk about it. You have to feel comfortable to dress how you want to dress to express yourself how you want to express yourself you shouldn't try to fit in or look like anyone you shouldn't try to copy anybody of course you can still like an artist like I said before <laughs> but you should still stay true to yourself and that's extremely important because the industry again is uh, very much homogenous and uh, people think that they have to look a certain uh, part and maybe you can play that part just to get in you know, just to uh, trick them to, to let you in. But once you get in, make sure you bring your full self, make sure you bring your, your background, make sure you bring your insights, make sure you bring your community into the work. That's how we change the industry. You have to, you have to not um, uh, bring 20% of yourself or try to be someone that you're not. If you do that, you'll end up, uh, you know, depressed like I was. So you have to fully find your voice and find the courage to speak it and be it always, because the second you start censoring yourself, um, then your creativity is going to suffer from that. All right, and I think one thing that is something I think about a lot is if you're if you're someone that has a different background, or you're bringing a different perspective to this industry, and it might feel you mentioned that you know when you get in first, maybe you have to conform a little bit more, just you know make them believe that you can fill right. that role that they're thinking about, and it could feel at times harder to progress or advance because you don't fit this one mold. And so I think we have a challenge as um, minorities or, or women or wherever, whatever you want to mm -hmm. <laughs> categorize yourself as, someone with a different perspective, let's just say, to, mm -hmm. to express your opinion, your point of view in, in a way that 
you're really indicating how do you serve, how does this better serve or add value to the problem that we're trying to solve? Because the audience that we're talking to doesn't all look the same and exactly. the industries and categories we're dealing with aren't all the same. They require different solutions. And so how can your background and point of view be framed as, mm-hmm. as serving um, you know, a, a better way to solve the business problem versus just, oh, this is my opinion because this is where I come from. You know, obviously exactly. like that is yourself, but how do you marry it with you know, the problem? Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, even, even if... Um, if you're one of the few people who look different in an agency, don't feel like, don't feel like, oh my God, I'm the only one that means I have to fit in. It's the opposite. It's like you bring something that no one has and you have the edge, you know? So when you bring that perspective to the table, it's not like, oh no, I don't like this or we shouldn't do this or whatever, whatever. Bring something they don't know. Educate them, you know, in, in a gentle a graceful way. So if you hear something in a meeting that is uh, stereotypical, that's been presented as an insight, and I'm using, you know, air quotes, um, which I've seen many times, you say like, hey, you know, um, uh, have you guys seen this, uh, this article about this type of thing, you know, that this stereotype, you know, that's not how it actually is. Let me tell you a story about blah, 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 blah. Have you considered doing this? Have you considered doing this? Or I have an idea that um, that uh, I can I'm 100% sure how my community works and I I know how this works so I'm trying to help you avoid another let's say Pepsi fiasco mm-hmm. you know I think we're in a time where people are they have to listen to you mm-hmm. because um, because there's been a lot of mishaps but your job is to to not get mad at mad or to not get an attitude is to you know take a deep breath and bring it up and if you're afraid of bringing it up in a in a in a let's say a big meeting you can approach you know the creative directors afterwards hey i heard this and this and this uh and uh, i think this is this is going to create some backlash right. for our clients don't even make it about you make it about sure. the client uh, be strategic about it. Hey, this is not on brief, you know, because this this is what the clients want to empower, and this actually does not empower. Right. It's stereotypical. It's going to do the exact opposite. Always go back to the brief. You know, the brief is your best friend. And um, let's see uh, what else. I lost my train of thought, but <laughs> but um, but yeah, always bring it up gracefully and uh, and make it about about the business itself. Make it about the client and uh, and. Um, don't 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 say like oh you know this is uh, uh this is don't make it about yourself you know make it about the consumer you are a consumer as well but make it always about the consumer because when you do that then you're inviting your team members to think bigger than just themselves a lot of times people just advertise to themselves right so um you're you're bringing a whole new perspective that they may not even have thought about and that they might be grateful for mm-hmm. sometimes they're not going to listen like for example if you if you see a campaign that has the same people, they all look the same uh, over and over again, uh, you can bring it up. Like, hey, I noticed that there's absolutely no diversity here. Did you know that that this product is uh, is uh, the main consumer of this product? 30% of the consumers are African-American. Mm-hmm. So we're actually going to be losing those consumers to this other product. Okay. So it's in our best interest to show diversity because it is a business um, uh, situation. It's not just opinion. So that's how you win your wars by being, by being very strategic about it. Always come back to the business um, and to the client. You know, you don't want 
you don't want the client to to know that we didn't do our due diligence, you know, or to not consider our audience, you know, do your research, find some numbers, back it up, and then bring your, your solution to the table using those numbers. All right, yeah. Miriam, thank you so much for taking the time. It was really great to, to speak with you and to hear about your experience. And I'm so excited to, you know, see what you do next and starting your own thing as someone who recently started your own thing with We Are Next. Um, you know, I'm always, I'm always really excited by others doing the same because I know it's, it's not an easy thing. It's it's not easy, but it's it's really really exciting. And uh, and thank you so much for uh, finding me for connecting. This was uh, a lovely conversation. And uh, I just want to tell the juniors out there: if you need anything, find me. Uh, I coach many people. I will promise to tell you how it. Is. I will tell it to you how it is. I am a truth teller. Uh, and if you if you want to find me, you can um, find me at uh, on my website, uh, mariamgesus.com. Uh, it's M-A-R-I-A-M-G-U-E-S-S-O-U-S.com or uh, on my social channels. Feel free to follow me at Miriam Mona. So it's M-A-R-I-A-M, another M-O-U-N-A. And that's all the channels across the board. Um, and um, I guess one last thing I want to tell the, the juniors is to to just go out there and change it change things make the change that you want to see don't settle for the for the for the existing uh status quo because remember that the industry hasn't changed in 50 years and it's up to you what you want to make of it um never 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 settle always always find a good fight and and find your tribe to fight with always the best message to end on thank you so so much (laughs) thank you natalie thanks so much to Miriam. I feel like she has a particular knack for pulling advice out of situations and articulating them in kind of the biggest, most inspiring way. Since our conversation, Miriam launched her new business called I See You Well. It's a platform that empowers women of color through activism, accessible wellness, and radical self-care. You should check it out. It's on Instagram at, at I See You Well, and I'll include the link in the show notes, of course. Advice is so much better shared. Leave us a review on iTunes or share the podcast with a friend. And while you're at it, subscribe to our weekly email. It's a small dose of advice and insight delivered Mondays. My voice is on its last leg, so I'm going to wrap this up. I hope you guys have an amazing week. And until next time, you got this.